As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So I salute each and every one this morning with the honorable and the blessing words of grace, mercy, and peace. May they be multiplied unto you this day. To the bishop of the house, I salute you with the blessing words of grace, mercy, and peace. May they be multiplied unto you. To elder, to to all the respective officers of the church, kingdom leaders of the church, and giftings of the church. I salute you with the blessing words of grace, mercy, and peace. May they be multiplied unto you and to my family. I salute you as well, whether present or absent. The blessing words of grace, mercy, and peace. Amen. But to surpass all the greetings and the salutations of this morning. This is the first Sunday of July. Amen. And as I am in the Episcopal of the vestment colors of green this morning, it's considered the normalcy of expectation of growth in things. Amen. So in that, as always, there's not just a word, but are you ready for a revelation this morning? Are you ready for something of illumination this morning? And I'm going to try to contain myself this morning. Y'all know preachers get hot when it comes to delivering what's good. But amen, I'm going to try to use etiquette this morning and teach if I can. Amen. Uh, I know it's the woman of God on the side looks and says, my Lord, uh, we'll see what happens. Amen. But for those of you that are with me this morning, if you would so kindly turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And I would like to pay close attention to just the first three verses of the chapter. And once you have found it, if you can, please signify by standing on your feet as we do what we can to reverence the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. And as individuals are standing on your feet, as I remind you one thing in regards to the reverencing of the word of the Lord, if people never knew, we've touched this before, but usually the position of standing signifies transference. So as we reverence the word of God, it's not that we just going through the motions of standing up because the preacher said stand up. It postures you for whatever you're about to receive. You are making an enunciation that you're ready to receive a transference. Okay. Amen. People don't usually go to the telemachine or the ATM unless you want to make a transaction. 
sometimes we put money in, but a lot of times we dance and do a jig when we're getting money out. And the Lord looks at you being happy leaving him as the ATM. Can, can I put it like that so you can really say, yeah, I like doing this. Amen. So in that, if I may, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, the scripture says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. If I had a title to give you as you respectfully take your seats. The title would be cleaning is sustaining, but cleansing is perfecting. Let me say that again. Cleaning is sustaining. But cleansing is perfecting. Good morning again, church, as you sit here and process, and as some are writing the title associated with this passage, the Lord has not released us from the subject of being perfect. And as I've kept the harmony line at the beginning of each message, I keep drilling into your head, Matthew 5, 48. Jesus says, be ye, whole, uh, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we understand since the beginning of the year, there is a charge that's given to each and every one of us about being perfect. And as we have looked from January to now, we've began to exhaust all the different meanings of perfect as it is applicable by scripture, not by worldly definition. By worldly definition, man has taught us to be perfect is to be without blemishes to to be without flaws to be without error and so what that has done it has codified a way of thinking in us that we see ourselves always as damaged goods and society continues to perpetuate that because as long as you don't see yourself as worth anything or as long as you see yourself as broken, you continue to feel that you can't be fixed. And see what happens, it begins to also continue the challenge of people being delivered because some people still think, I need to get cleaned up to get saved versus getting saved to get cleaned up. I, I don't know if I'm talking to somebody this morning, but as I take my time with this, we're understanding though now as believers, according to the word of the Lord, all the passages that we have looked at regarding being perfect that associates itself with what Jesus tells us to be, it's about you being spiritually grown up. 
It's about you being spiritually matured. It's about you being spiritually complete or made whole. It's about you being spiritually equipped. And one of the last significant things that I ministered in this previous month was that being perfect or perfecting is something that's going to require you to have surgery. Because in order to equip you, watch this, you can't put good equipment on top of bad equipment. That means you have to take something off in order to put something on. That means you have got to remove some things that you thought was good equipment in order for the Lord God's equipment to be placed on you for use. Amen. Okay. Am I? So, in that this morning, the Lord wants me to minister from the perspective of being a hygienist. Okay, some are looking at me deep right now. Praise the Lord that the man of God, as he ministered last week for those that were present with us, he made some valid points about getting cleaned up. Amen. The preacher was touching the analogy that individuals who know anything about the military, who have been in a field environment, The revelation was the fact that you got to change clothes. Amen. So the Lord said, I'm, I'm feeling what he was saying. I, I want you to articulate some things about perfecting that is about hygiene. So in that, in order to get to that point, I don't want to spoil the message, but I want to lead you to that. Amen. There's something interesting that the writer begins to bring to our attention in these three verses. Amen. And if you notice, chapter seven begins kind of odd because it doesn't begin at the start of a thought it kind of jumps into the middle amen notice that it says having therefore these promises now I know as each and everyone stood and listened as we read these verses some would say what are we talking about yeah. uh, because we don't need to draw our own conclusion when it comes to the word of the Lord. Oftentimes when we draw our own conclusion, our own conclusion ends up being off. And when we draw our own conclusion, that's where we go to getting our own tools to try to carry out what we thought it meant. So in that, I said, hey, this, this begins kinda off. I need to touch something to explain to the listener what promises we're talking about. Amen. So if you go with me for a moment to the previous chapter, chapter 6, verse 14 through 18, the scripture says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. 
as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Almighty now chapter 7 verse 1 having the having excuse me therefore these promises what is happening here what we can extrapolate from verse 14 through 18 of chapter 6. The writer tells us there is a promise or a commitment that's made by two parties. Listen, listen. What makes a covenant in your life is a commitment that you are living towards. You can, you can say, I'm going to stay in covenant with you, but what makes the covenant real is the commitment behind both parties. So the Lord tells the writer, there are some prerequisites that you have to do and I will do with you in order for you to be cleansed. Listen to me, listen to me. Because what happens is right now in this season, could it be that many people are trying to clean themselves without first knowing how to get it done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Many people have drawn their own conclusion that I'm going to clean myself for the Lord, but you don't have no guidelines. You don't know what the requirement is in order to be considered clean or cleansed unto the Lord. So in that, what he says is, not only am I going to tell you what the commitment is between you and I, what will make the commitment a real covenant is that you got to hold on to it. Now, when I say hold on to it, listen to me. Holding on to it is not like you grabbing the handle of a suitcase. To see the reality of the matter, even though you may pick up a bag, you may pick up a suitcase, you may pick up a purse, eventually you're going to put it down. Uh, so, so in that, what's interesting, Bishop, is uh, uh, as the word says, having these promises, the word having is the Greek word echo. Which doesn't mean just to hold, it means to wear. And if I wear it, it is intended to be a part of me of what I am portraying or demonstrating. I like how the songwriter says, you wear it well. Hmm. So, in this he says... I don't need you to make a covenant with me that you consider like luggage. Because see, with luggage, you ain't always going somewhere. I, I, I need you, when you make a covenant with me, the commitment is something that you maintain as to who you display yourself to be. So what, 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 what is it? What is the prerequisite? Well, as I look at the text, he says, if we come out of fellowship with unrighteousness, 
Meaning, I don't make myself a companion, a road dog, if I can put it in layman's terms, with unrighteous activities. Stuff that, that does not line up with the character of the Lord God. Number two, he says, if we touch not unclean things. And see, understand, as it's saying, touch not unclean things. It's not just implying what you shouldn't come in contact with physically. Because remember, things means words. So just as much as you're not supposed to come in contact with certain things that defile you, you also can't come in contact with defiling stuff coming out of you. I, I could have swore Jesus said, didn't he say, it's what comes out of you that defiles you? The next prerequisite, he says, be separated. That means consecrate yourself. This, this isn't exclusive to preachers. It's, it's not exclusive to leaders in the church. As we said in Sunday school this morning, some things start at home. There's some things that we as believers have to do at home. And one of the first things that we do at home is separate ourselves from some things in order to dedicate ourselves to something else. It's a shame that there's many people that live an idolatrous life because they're idled in the things that they do at home because they're not dedicated to anything. So now, out of these verses, 14 through 18 of chapter 6, and, and we're getting there to this cleaning thing, but these are the prerequisites that the Lord gives to the individual. Now we can flip and see what he does in the commitment, which first he says, he will dwell in us. Not just with us, he says, he will dwell or exist in us. Yeah. We all claim we want the Lord with us, but he says, when you're committed, I won't just be with you, I'll be in you. Yeah. We, we've got to get this, we've got to understand all of the prerequisites so that we can have the right encounters with the Lord that changes our lives because of him being in us, not just being with us. He says, I will dwell in you. Watch this. He says, I'll walk in you, which means if he's walking in me, he's animating me. He says, I will receive you. And for him to receive us, that means he makes us welcome. He doesn't just have us, but he wants us. Because he's opened the door to welcome relationship with us. Then he turns around and says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters. Amen. Now, can I really touch a theology regarding that? What I'm referring to is the fact that he says, I will be your father. Okay, in the natural, we're used to somebody just stepping in and filling the role. Uh, are, are you with me? Either we as men have experienced 
being a father for our children based on our identity. And so we limit fathership just to the identity of being in a position. What I want to get to you this morning in this commitment or covenant that we're talking about as a prerequisite is he says, if I'm going to be your father, my job does not stop with me being in position alone. When I look at the term father, pater in the Greek or in Hebrew, ab, I find that father means a progenitor. So then he says, if I step in you and we are now together based on the commitment, then I commit to producing stuff out of you. You are not just going to have me as a father by name. You're going to have me as a father by source. I am coming in your life in order to produce life out of you. That's why he says, I become your father and now you become my sons and daughters. It wasn't that you were a son and daughter before him and now because you got a relationship with him, you became one. What he says is him being in you, now he's reproducing you as a male and a female version of him because of the commitment being legitimate. Now he legally has the right to use you. So now that we have this promise, now that he says, I will make you a son and I will make you a daughter when I can get inside of you. Because of you making room for me. See, some people want to have the Lord God in their life based on them still being messy Marvin. I want the Lord to be in me and I want to claim he's in me while I'm still messy. But he said, if you want me in you, and not just to be in you, but if you want to be a product of me of great value, if you want to be my greatest investment, greater than the trade towers, he says, you've got to move some stuff out of the way in you so that I can step in. See, he don't like stepping over a bunch of dirty clothes. He don't like stepping over your bed sheets that are still in the way. He don't like stepping over all of your stuff cascading in your life because he said if that's there, what room do you have for me? I don't know if somebody hears me right now, but he says I need you to understand the prerequisite. Yes. That's good. Now, Based on the prerequisite, based on the promise, based on the commitment, yes. he says, kind of like pre pro quo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm there, but if you do this, you'll be able to get that. Yes. He says, through the writer. He says, therefore, these promises, dearly beloved, because see, only the family is going to understand this. Everybody doesn't understand what we're understanding in the Lord. That's why it seems so coincidental that the writers of the New Testament always address the writing to the family, the beloved. 
those who be or exist as godly. Here's where we get to hygiene. He said, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let me teach you something here. As the word says, let us cleanse ourselves. I began to do some homework because the Lord began to resonate with me. There's a difference between cleansing and cleaning. I know some are looking at me deep right now, but there's a difference. In the Jewish custom, there's a term, tevila. And tevila means full body immersion. There's also a term, netilat, yadayim, which means the washing of the hands. Now, I, be I began to process, y'all, you know, I, I know I, this shouldn't be new because all of us, when it comes to something that we have, haven't really paid attention to, you began to really think on it, you know, why is there such a significance between these two? Well, one is about cleansing and the other is about cleaning. Okay, let me, let me re really bring this home for you. Check this out. Cleaning is temporary and only external. And cleaning is driven by our favorite six. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Okay. Listen, listen to me. The only time you clean your hands or your feet is when who has done what, when, and how it was done. Okay. Y'all still looking at me hard. I only wash my hands when I know that I've been exposed to dirt. Uh, if, if I'm going to go eat, I will hope everybody wash their hands because you know during the transaction of the day, you came in contact with stuff that made your hands unclean. So in that, for you to still show yourself clean, what you will do is wash your hands so that everybody that sees you has another perspective of you that you're a clean person. Uh, Y'all. Uh -huh. Amen. Yes, it is. If my feet get sweaty... Or if I don't have shoes on or if I got flip-flops and I go from one destination to the other and I impact dirt on my feet or I smell my feet, then what happens is I say I need to wash my feet. But if I don't see no dirt, if I don't get anything on them, then I have the tendency not to wash them. Watch this. Okay, some y'all still looking at me hard. Some of you got junky cars on the inside, but as long as you go through the car wash and somebody see you rolling. They say, dog, you clean. 
Uh, but, but, but listen, listen, I, I'm not even trying to be funny with this. What I'm saying is cleaning gives a false sense of somebody being pure because it's only temporary. It's only a look in the moment in order for folks to draw a conclusion of what you are, which you really ain't. Okay, y'all talking about the is and ain'ts this morning. I'm talking about say Bishop know what I'm talking about. Okay, preacher, what's cleansing there? Watch this. Cleansing is the full immersion. When you take a shower or you take a bath, this is cleansing yourself. Watch this. Because no matter which format you utilize, both of them have the tendency to not only remove what's dead and dirty on the outside of you, they also have a tendency to cleanse or clean what's dirty in you that you can't even see. I was watching something about bacteria, how bacteria multiplies in an individual. Amen. They were talking about fungus, for instance. And what they said is the fact that, believe it or not, after you take a shower or you take a bath, the pores are open so that now there is the better capability of removing what's inside of you. See, when you do like what Ma used to say, when she said, go get cleaned up and, and you do a wash up, uh, you do a bird bath, you, you do what's external on the outside, you trying to wonder why you still stink. And the thing is that you did not put in practice the concept that you can't live your day without being immersed. I, I began to understand, Bishop, when, when Paul said we die to the flesh daily, some haven't even realized in the natural, Paul was saying, you die because of your flesh daily. There's something that's supposed to be dead or cleansed on a daily basis, regardless of if you wash your hands or your feet. There's something about you getting immersed we were talking about baptism this morning. For those that's with us by, 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 by Facebook or, or by the conference sign. And in Sunday school, we began to talk about baptism, but we came to the conclusion of the understanding baptism isn't just about the immersion in the water, but being immersed in the word. So if conjunction, junction, what's your function? If you can get the connection right there, then when I wash my whole body on a daily basis it's supposed to remind me uh, that I've got to get immersed in him uh, in order for me to get cleansed some of us are still dirty we want to do a bird bath with Jesus we only want to wash pieces of ourself in order to say, I'm good enough to sit at the table. You can't smell me as long as I mask it with something. I'll still be right here with everybody else. And we looking around the room, what is that smell? What is that? Because I fail to want to get immersed. Jesus. Must be talking to the fans. So, so watch this. This ain't brand new. This is what Paul was talking about in the verse. 
Check this out. He says, dearly beloved, he says, let us cleanse, meaning purify, meaning purge. Let us remove. Let us get totally immersed and washed. Listen to what he says. He says, let us cleanse ourselves, not clean ourselves. He says, cleanse. Yes, he did. Cleanse ourselves from all, watch this, filthiness of the flesh and filthiness of the spirit. All right, somebody should have had an aha moment right there. If, if I had a can of V8, it should have hit you right in your temple. Wait a minute, Paul articulates two different things getting in the cleansing process. He says your flesh and your spirit. What did I just say about cleansing? In the natural, when you take a bath or when you take a shower, it's cleaning the outside as well as making you conducive for cleaning on the inside. So, so I gotta understand, cleansing in the Lord is something that's a two-part process in my life. Amen. Oh, what does he say? He says, I need to be cleansed. Mm -hmm. That means I need, I need to get my, my brush, my towel. Y'all know, don't look at me new. <laughs> my soap, my body wash. Yeah. And he says, I first need to deal with the outside of me. Yes, sir. Yes, you did. And when he says dealing with the outside of me, uh, 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 see, he says what makes you filthy is your immorality. It's you not having morals and ethics that line up with him that make you stink. Right now, some of us think it's just because the work you do and when you overwork your body and you sweat, you think you stink. But according to the word of the Lord, what stinks to him in the spirit is your immoral character that you continue to live by without trying to clean it up. That's why he says, your immoral human nature your unethical human nature is what got you unclean because see my, my human nature demonstrates what's on the inside of me mm -hmm. he says so 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 what makes you look unclean is because you have not gone and made your pores open to being cleansed in your spirit uh, see, see the second half, he says the filthiness or the immorality of your inner man, of your mental, your mind, your thinking capacity, your soul. You don't do no more than what you think about. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, so what makes you stink, according to the word of the Lord, is you got a stinking mindset. You are always in the gutter because you're never trying to get to a higher place in your thinking that will purify what your external is like. Let you chew on that for a minute. That's good. It's tight, but it's right. That's good, man. That's good. I can't continue to just go through the motions of taking a bath and a shower at home and not understanding in the natural. It's only demonstrating what I'm supposed to be in the spiritual. I practice that in order to perfect who I am on the inner. So, it's not just what I'm saying, it's what the writer has recorded. He said, let us cleanse ourselves, not clean ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness. If we want to be holy, the word has told us from the Old Testament as well as to the New. Be ye holy. 
If we want to be holy, if we want to comply with the promise, if we want to comply with the covenant, then I have to understand that these prerequisites are necessary for me to get there. I can't just dun da 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 all of a sudden I'm going to tell everybody I'm holy. I'm good. I ain't got nothing else to do. I'm holy. You better look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm, I'm holy. So I'm going to tell everybody I'm holy. But there's no cleaning process, no cleansing that has occurred in order to validate the holiness that I'm declaring that I am. So the Bible says this is what we have to begin to do. Go through a cleansing process. What do we call it? Sanctification. That's the proper etiquette in the church for cleansing. He says you have to go through sanctification. And when you begin to cleanse your inner and your outer man, he says this is what perfects holiness. This is what the, and, and the word perfecting that's being used here is epitaleo. Epitaleo means to complete or to accomplish. So if I, if I can give you a revelation here, the scripture or text says this. When you begin to cleanse, meaning completely immerse and wash your inner man and your outer man. This is what he says is the completing or the accomplishing process for you to become perfect. I don't become mature in him or complete in him automatically. What I'm giving you is the keys to the perfecting process. It's not that you just do good stuff. It's not that you just say, uh, I obey the Ten Commandments and, and, and I obey or I don't cross the line of everything that I read in the Bible that happens. What it, it, it says is as you do all of those things, all of those things are the scrubbing process. But the thing is, the scrubbing process is no good without the soap or the water. The scrubbing process is no good without you getting completely tapped. The scrubbing process is no good if you still got your clothes on in the shower. The scrubbing process won't do nothing for you if you still dressed and you submerged in the tub. There's some things that will not come off of you without you first saying, I'm going to get naked and get undressed in order to step in and get cleaned. See, when you go into a place of getting cleaned, if you go get a real baptism, that's going to change you. It's a thing that you got to be willing to strip yourself of what really made you naked while you was dressed. And when you strip yourself of what is already nakedness in your life so that you can get clean, the thing is when you come out, you ain't still wearing what you was in before you went through the cleansing process. Yes, yes, yes. My Lord. I don't know if anybody hears me this morning. How the, the man of God speaks through the word. He says, perfecting holiness and as we're perfecting holiness elder he says this is done in fear of the Lord okay so 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 watch this while you get in your shower while you taking your bath in him there should still be a sense of not disrespecting who cleaning you uh, oh, uh, okay, okay, uh, okay. 
let me be simple with some. See, in your innocence, why are you still a baby? Uh, I ain't trying to be raw, but sometimes the baby will take a whiz on the mom or the dad while they washing them because they don't know no better. But as the baby gets a little bit older and they still getting washed by Ma or Paul, the baby comes to the understanding that I can't give a whiz in their face while they cleaning me. This is a time that I've got to hold or I've got to take a tinkle before I get into the water. And when I get into the water, I know it's going to cleanse me. So there's a time that I can clean versus a time that I get cleansed. Y'all got to understand. That's why when the baby understands about using the bathroom, in the process of teaching them their maturity, Ma and Paul tell them when you go and you tinkle, what you should do is wash your hands. Because even though I put you in the water and immersed you and I cleansed you for the day, there's sometimes that you ah, you ran into something that made you dirty in the process. But the thing is, it didn't make you dirty for the whole day. You just had to clean yourself, clean yourself for the moment until time for cleansing before bedtime. And then you get washed all over again and you knew once again. So what the Bible says for us to understand is I gotta know that there's a cleansing and a cleaning and they got their appropriate times in my life while I'm in the process of being matured. Yes. Amen. That's good. I can't disrespect Paul. But Paul Paul washing me. Come on. I can't get in myself and say I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Why you why you y'all y'all think about it. that's an indictment against the, the kingdom. The Lord God trying to cleanse you, but you don't respect it enough that you still tinkle on what he cleansing. You think it's supposed to be his job. I can still do what I want to do. The devil is a lie. Let me move on. Let me move on. It's tight for some right now. Some hearing this might have tight jaws because... Folks thinking about water shortages versus, ah, okay. So I want to say, you talking about getting clean is you paying my water bill, Jesus is. He said, I just need you to get there. Okay. So the writer turns around. Let me compose myself. I said I was going to teach this morning. My bad, my bad. So the Bible says, Bishop, receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. Now there's, there's something that's speaking in that verse as an undertone. Because scripture says receive. Meaning to, as I said earlier, hold to. The Bible says hold to us. Because I have not wronged you. I have not corrupted you. And I have not defrauded you. Meaning. When I haven't wronged you, I haven't hurt you. I haven't damaged you. When I haven't corrupted you, that means I haven't defiled you. When I haven't defrauded you, I have not taken advantage of you. Now, why would the writer say that unless 
if I haven't gone through the cleansing process, I'm guilty of these three. Have you ever thought why people don't accept you in ministry? Have you ever thought why some folks may not want to be around you or want to accept you? Could it be because there's still a spiritual order, odor, excuse me, because you have not been through the cleansing process? You do cleaning and then come into their face. But they spiritually say you need a tic-tac. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I remember my former archbishop used to say, you know, even in categories of prophet, there's in-house and out-house prophets. True. Those who are prophetic, that are connected, that are part of the cleansing process. And then there's those who are outside of the house. And for those who's been around for a minute, you knew what an outhouse was. Uh, our house carried an odor. So, so, listen to me. I, I ain't trying to be wrong this morning. I'm just trying to be real for you to really walk away with something regarding this word on today. So, so he says, uh, uh, after I go and put myself in the cleansing process of my inner man and my outer man being immersed he said, now that I done got cleaned in that process versus just doing a, a bird bath of a spiritual cleaning, he says, now you should be able to want to hold to me. You should now be able to want to embrace me because you know I have no intent to harm you, damage you, defile you, destroy you, or take advantage of you. As long as I'm in a state of not immersing myself in the process, then what happens is in only doing part of the process, I make myself still subject to be a criminal or a bandit towards those that I'm trying to embrace in the body of Christ. So what does Paul say here in this third and final verse that I want to bring to your attention? What does he say? He says, I speak not this to condemn you. Meaning, I, I don't say this to separate from you or make you want to separate from me. Paul is basically calling out spiritual cleansing being necessary and identifying where those who haven't cleansed but they've only been doing partial cleaning. He says, I'm not calling out your uncleansingness in order for you to separate from me. Or me separate you from me. He says this. For I have said before that you are in our hearts to die and live with you. Now, I'll point out something about what he says right here. Because this is very deep. I was sharing with the man of God here a few days ago. I said, you know, there's something very profound that the writer says here. He tells them this has been said before, but apparently it wasn't understood. Y'all know how, as individuals, we struggle with being alone? Have you ever processed that? As individuals, everybody has some form of a phobia with being alone. 
whether it's physical or spiritual, there's some phobia that we war with. Think about it. it you, you've been around individuals, you've even seen on the movies. People grab somebody's hand and they'll say, I don't want to die alone. Y'all have had that encounter at some point in your life? I want to show you something that Paul says here. He says, I've said this before, and it's in our hearts, in our inner man, in our mind, in our thought process. He says, for us to die and to live with you. Now, here's something that's very interesting. Yeah? And y'all know I uh, always bring Greek and Hebrew terms in because I want you to have clarification of what's the context of what's being said. What's interesting, as Paul says here about dying with you, it's not the Greek word thanatos. Thanatos is the term that means to die, of course. What we comprehend with physical death or separation from the living world. Amen. But what's interesting is it's a different Greek word being used here for die. It's suna pothanesco. And even though that's a big Greek word, the meaning of it is to be deceased with someone or together. Okay, still in registering with some because you're still looking at me strange. Technically, as a believer, it was never meant for you to die alone. You was always meant to die together with those that you assemble yourself with or connect to because of covenant and commitment. Even if you physically by yourself, you are not alone because you could be in a hospital states away on your deathbed, but if you in my mind, even though I'm not physically in your presence, you are not alone because we have a covenant with each other. And based on our commitment, you will never be alone. So, so even as Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you in the Great Commission, he says, as long as you have a mind for me and keep the commitment of cleansing with me and doing what's appropriate, you will never die alone even if nobody is there physically with you. Yes. And what else is deep is that he says, not only will you never die alone, you will not live alone. Because the word that's used here for live in the verse is suzazo, which means to live or exist together. So my lifestyle based upon cleansing and cleaning is meant for me to be in connection going forth that I am never alone in the process. No matter if I have to die to some things or I have to live to other things, the thing that assures me is the fact that there is a connection that I'm always meant to be not by myself, 
but with someone. I am always meant to be with him. So now, even though cleansing or cleaning that I do in my life is only sustaining some things, cleansing is perfecting because it still has my father as the progenitor that's always there with me in the process. I will never be alone. I'll never be forsaken. I'll never be left behind. I'll never be destitute. I'll never be in a place that I have no faith in myself. I'll never become a true victim. I'll always be a victor in Kim because he's in me and I am in him. Amen. Amen. So this is what the Lord gives us on this morning. This is where he's carrying us. I'm not going to just keep doing a cleanup. I need to do a full cleansing. I need to cleanse daily so that my cleaning is only sustaining me in the relationship. It brings to my heart. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. Oh, I come to I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, oh, I come to, I come to Thee. We bless you, Father God, right now in the hour, and we thank Thank you, Lord God, for this revelation about our cleaning only sustains us, but our cleansing is perfecting to us. Amen, amen, and amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.